Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 69 Background Checks Part 2. In the last episode, we talked about the reasons why you should and some reasons why you shouldn't conduct background checks. And on this episode, we'll look into the different types and what the government thinks about you using them. And it looks like I'll need a third episode to go over ban the box laws and how conducting background checks can lead to discrimination lawsuits and how you can avoid them. Now, all background checks are not created equal. There are different BCs for different purposes. But the EEOC and the DOL don't particularly like one type or one variety, the criminal background check. And they warn employers that improper use can lead to discrimination. Why? How? Great questions. Let's rock this. So background checks vary in scope. And you can get a comprehensive screening or a simple ID verification. A comprehensive BC will tap into a bunch of available databases from federal and county criminal to Social Security Administration and motor vehicle records, and everything in between. Deciding what type of BC check to conduct depends on the business you're in and what you're trying to accomplish. If you just want to make sure that the applicant is who they say they are, then go with an ID verification check, and aside from the SSA and MVD records, your vendor may search other databases like federal and state licensing departments, Equifax's work number, or the National Student Clearinghouse. If you want to make sure that your candidate isn't either a creep or a terrorist, then you can do a registry search that will look at sex offender lists, the Office of Inspector General's excluded individuals list, or the Office of Foreign Asset Control list. The excluded individuals list provides names to the healthcare industry regarding individuals who are excluded from participation in Medicare, Medicaid, and other federal health care programs. And the OFAC list is basically the U.S. Department of Treasury's list of terrorists. There are also credit check, civil action, bankruptcy, work comp history, global financial authority, and healthcare fraud and abuse databases, just to name a few. And it's actually pretty scary just how many databases are out there. Privacy is dead for sure, and it's no wonder that ID theft is so prevalent with so much information around. The EEOC says that when making personnel decisions, employers sometimes want to consider background checks of applicants and employees. Well, yes, they do. Now, except for certain restrictions related to medical and genetic information, they say it's not illegal for an employer to ask questions about an applicant's or employee's background or to require a background check. However, the use of an individual's criminal history in making employment decisions might violate the prohibition against employment discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Now, anytime you use an applicant's or an employee's background information to make a decision, regardless of how you got the information, you have to comply with federal laws that protect the applicant from discrimination. And to help you understand your obligations, the EEOC has a 26-page enforcement guidance document that focuses on the race and national origin discrimination issues involving background checks. It talks about the difference between arrest and conviction records, like the fact that an arrest doesn't mean that a crime has been committed. 
The EEOC doesn't think that an arrest is job-related or consistent with business necessity. But you can still make a decision based on the conduct underlying the arrest. So put on your detective hat and figure out if that conduct makes the person unfit for the position. At least that's what they're saying. In contrast, a conviction record usually serves as sufficient evidence that a person engaged in a particular conduct. Well, no kidding. In certain circumstances, however, there may be reasons for an employer not to rely on the conviction record alone when making an employment decision, says the EEOC. The guidance also discusses the disparate treatment and the disparate impact of criminal background checks under Title VII. They say that a violation may occur when an employer treats criminal history information differently for one applicant based on their race or national origin. The EEOC doesn't like what they call an employer's neutral policy. This is where an applicant is excluded from employment based on certain criminal conduct, based on their arrest record or their criminal record. They say that because it may disproportionately impact some individuals protected under Title VII and may violate the law if the decision not to hire them isn't based on the job and consistent with business necessity. National data supports a finding that criminal record exclusions have a disparate impact based on race and national origin. The national data provides a basis to the Commission for investigating Title VII disparate impact charges challenging criminal record exclusions. Isn't that nice? Well, let's look at the data. One in three adults now has a criminal history record, which often consists of an arrest that didn't lead to a conviction, or a conviction where they weren't sentenced, or a conviction for a nonviolent crime. And on any given day, about 2.3 million people are in jail. And every year, 700,000 people are released from jail. One in 106 white men, one in 36 Hispanic men, and one in 15 African American men are incarcerated. And on average, one in 31 adults is under some kind of correctional control, either on probation, parole, or incarcerated. That's one in 45 white adults, one in 27 Hispanic adults, and one in 11 African American adults that are in some, under some kind of correctional control. Now here's another way of looking at it. If African Americans constitute approximately 13% of the overall population but account for 28% of the arrests and 40% of the incarcerated population, then there's a disparity there. And a blanket policy prohibiting anyone with an unclean criminal record is therefore, according to the EEOC, potentially discriminating. Now, it's okay if the decision is job-related and consistent with business necessity. That's a defense against a discrimination lawsuit. Or if your decision is done in accordance with the uniform guidelines on employee selection procedures. Well, what are those? Well, those were put together in 1978 by four government agencies, and it serves as a uniform federal position on how you can avoid discrimination. It also outlines the requirements for you to legally defend your employment decisions. The guidelines aren't part of the law, but several courts have referenced them as technical information, and that's established them as a precedent in employment discrimination lawsuits. Now, you can also develop a targeted screening process that consists of an evaluation of the nature of the crime, the time elapsed, and the nature of the job, and you could even go the extra mile and conduct an individualized assessment applicant by applicant to determine if the offense is job-related and consistent with business necessity. 
The EEOC says that Title VII doesn't require individualized assessments, but the use of a screen that doesn't include individualized assessments is more likely to violate Title VII. So you're really between a rock and a hard spot. On the one hand, you want to protect yourself, protect your customers, protect your employees. On the other hand, you basically become an investigator and look at each background check where there's criminal history, especially if it's for a minority, and determine whether or not it has an impact on the job and go through a process, an assessment, because if you just have a uniform blanket policy that says you don't hire anyone who has any kind of criminal record, an arrest record, or a conviction record, then you're possibly discriminating and subject to a discrimination lawsuit. In the next episode, we'll talk about one employer who did get sued for such a policy. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.